0: Welcome to a special edition of Too Much Effing Perspective. I'm your host, Alan Keller, with my co-host, Alex Hoffman. And today we're going to be talking about something a little different. Producing a podcast can be rather expensive. So we're going to do something to raise money, which we don't think has ever been done before by any other podcast. We're going to be auctioning off an NFT of a unique piece of rock and roll history, the original performance contract from Radiohead's very first gig in America. Alex was Radiohead's tour manager for that period of time. So he's had in his possession this rare artifact since the day of the show, June 22nd, 1993, at Venus de Milo in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: Not to be confused with intra-Venus de Milo, but, you know... (laughs) Close enough.
0: And as a podcast about the movie, This Is Spinal Tap, we can appreciate the irony there. But maybe this is a good point to try to explain what an NFT is. And as a neophyte, the best I can do is try to explain it. So please, bear with me. Okay, here I go. An NFT basically is a -a one-of-a-kind digital asset, which is minted on the blockchain where it can always be identified and verified as the one true original digital representation of something. For example, say you own the actual Mona Lisa and an NFT of the Mona Lisa. Both are different things, but equally unique and rare in their own ways. And you usually purchase NFTs with the cryptocurrency Ethereum. So that's basically what we're talking about here. Not a simple concept, but one that is changing the world.
1: Yeah. There's been some really high profile NFT sales, including some from bands like Kings of Leon and a number of others have, have experimented with this new form of collectible. I mean, it's actually not that new. It's been around for several years, but it's gotten a lot of attention lately.
0: So what we want to do is we want to talk about the origin of this contract and Alex's affiliation with the band Alex, just tell us, how did you get this Primo gig?
1: Yeah, it was a very lucky situation. I was in the right place at the right time. I tour managed P.J. Harvey, and P.J. Harvey's agent was called International Talent Group. They were really kind of a pioneering agency in working with some of the biggest British bands of the 80s and early 90s. They had Depeche Mode. They had David Bowie, The Cure, Peter Gabriel... And Radiohead was on the roster at that time, and so I was invited to tour manage Radiohead on this first outing.
0: Okay, so you're assigned this band. At the time, had their hit, Creep, gone up the charts yet in America?
1: It actually had. From memory, it had been released in the UK, but nothing much happened. By the time they got to the US, it was already a big hit on MTV, and K-Rock in LA, had really championed it and and other radio had gotten on board as well. So it was really over here that Creep took off and they were in the fortunate position to arrive with a lot of people being excited about who they were, their music. So here's Alex Hoffman, tour manager, and
0: he's got to go meet this up-and-coming British band at an airport in New York. JFK.
1: Okay, so what happened upon your first meeting? Well, what happened was I was staying at a really uh, down market hotel. Trump Tower. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I noticed around Hell's Kitchen, there was all this sniping going on, right? A lot of those big posters that go up on construction sites and, and walls and things like that for Pablo Honey. And it had a big Radiohead title across the top of the poster. So I took one of those and I carefully tore the Radiohead title off the poster and when I went to meet them at the airport, that was my sign, right? So, in this is Spinal Tap, of course. There's that great scene of them coming out of the airport and the limo driver holding the sign that says Spinal Pap. So, <laughs> at least I wasn't up there with a sign saying like Radio Heard.
0: Well, what was the, your first impression of the lads?
1: It was great. I mean, there's a funny story that um, I don't even think I've ever told you this, Alan, but so Radiohead had a tour manager from the UK, this this great guy, Tim Greaves. And he was coming over with them. And part of the goal here was that I was going to teach Tim the ropes about touring the U.S. so that, you know, going forward, he would take care of it. So I wanted to talk to Tim before they arrived. And so I called this hotel in the Netherlands. The front desk answered. I said, hi, I'm calling for Tim from Radiohead. And the guy at the front desk kind of put the phone down. And and before I knew it, A very cheerful voice got on the other line and said, hi, it's Johnny from Radiohead. I said, oh, hi, Johnny. I'm Alex. I'm going to be your tour manager in the US. And everybody's really excited over here. There's a great buzz. He's like, (laughs) weird. So so it was great. It was really fun. The first time I spoke to Johnny, and he's like, here's Tim. And so he handed the phone over to him. Well,
0: you introduced me to the gents in Chicago a couple of years later, and we had coffee at, I believe, Uncommon Ground with Colin and Ed. Yeah. And they're just gentlemen.
1: Yeah. Charming guys, very polite. mature. You know, Colin, who is extraordinarily well-read, well-educated, went to Cambridge. He asked me if we Americans understand irony <laughs> or something like that. And I, I don't, I'm not even sure I knew what that meant. So I, I probably just said, oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah just good good people, but they got there. We got in these cars, we drove off, and it was kind of funny because the driver of the limo that I was in told me that twenty years prior or whatever he had also driven the Led zeppelins from um j f k into Manhattan and john Bonham Bonzo was in his car and had said. I'll pay you $100 if you can beat the other car into the city, right? And so this guy hightailed it in, got all the way to, the, to Manhattan, successfully outpaced the other limo, and then Bonzo jumped out and stiffed him the tip. So uh, there you go. That's a great
0: effing story. That is. <laughs> all right. So you're in New York. This is a four-hour bus drive, right? From New York to Boston? Or-
1: yeah, it's a four-hour bus drive. So we got everything loaded up, L- literally 11 people. All of the luggage and all the equipment was in this bus. And then we had a driver, so it's 12 people. But everybody was excited, felt good. The bus got rolling. And, you know, we were about maybe 20 minutes in. And I said, okay, guys, you know, before we start to relax, I want to have our first band meeting. I said, guys, I don't have a lot of rules about being on tour, but I do have one. And it's this, do not quote Spinal Tap. Otherwise, your tour will turn into it and, and they kind of looked at each other, nod their heads and said, yep, that sounds about right. (laughs) And then you tell them, but by the way, we're
0: going to Venus de Milo for our first gig. (laughs) You know what? I can't believe I didn't say that. I mean, that would be a home run. (laughs) Did you at that moment, did a little twinkle go off in your eye thinking one day I'm going to have a podcast, whatever those are, because they weren't invented yet. I'm going to have a (laughs) podcast about this issue. Just amazing how in front of everything you were.
1: It was even more than that, Alan. At that exact moment, I realized I'm going to auction an NFT <laughs> right. for Ethereum cryptocurrency. I
0: think you said non-fungible token. I don't think you <laughs> figured out the acronym yet. Yeah.
1: So anyway, the bus driver brought the bus over to the Venus de Milo, which is, it doesn't exist anymore, but it's right on Lansdowne Street, right across from Fenway Park. I can't remember if it was before or after sound check, but we had a dressing room in the building- I think it was in the upstairs, and we had to walk through a band's rehearsal space to get to it. Well, it turned out Paul Westerberg from The Replacements was there rehearsing with his solo band, and we were sharing a bathroom. Paul came in to use the bathroom and walked out, and that is one of my big regrets because I love The Replacements, you know, and I consider Paul to be one of the godfathers of American punk rock, and I wish I would have had the presence of mind to introduce Radiohead to him.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Paul might have uh, whacked me with a guitar or something, who knows, but that would have been pretty cool.
0: Okay, so you're at the
1: club, and let's talk about the gig. How did it go? It was great. It was the first of a set of very exciting shows. Every show except one was sold out, and the crowds were super enthusiastic. Excited about this new band. They knew at least one song. You know, there were lines around the block sometimes. Um, I don't remember exactly what the situation was at Venus de Milo. And Radiohead went on very late, as I recall. And we were standing backstage waiting to go on. And all of a sudden, the door opens. And the security guard, for inexplicable reasons, let some young woman come back. And she's a fan. I wanted to say hi to the band. And these guys are nervous, right? And they're waiting to go play their first show in the U.S., and this young woman walks in. She's all excited, and I just very gingerly did almost like a square dancing move, turned her around, and sent her back out from whence she came. And the guys in the band all kind of smiled and looked at me in a very approving way, like, "Yeah, that was smooth." So, anyway, they knew at that point that I was looking out for them. I was going to take care of them. And and uh,
0: well, Courtney Cox never forgave you for doing that to her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, hey, she had her glory moment with Springsteen, Absolutely. right? So, she you went, know. That was the same night. She
0: went straight over, to, <laughs> went to New Jersey and was next. She's on the video. So let's talk about this NFT because it's hard to explain how cool this is. This is the actual contract between the band and the club. And what's really fascinating about it is the notes that tour manager Alex made in the margins when he's doing
1: the most important thing that a tour manager does, settling up the evening. I was tour manager and tour accountant. And so, yeah, so I had to collect the money every night from the promoter or the club owner or whoever was dealing with the finances from the promoter side. And sometimes those are actually really active negotiations. That night, we didn't have to worry about it because the promoter was Don Law and they are straight shooters. But we knew that Radiohead had a whopping $500 guarantee for the show. They were definitely going to get paid that. And believe it or not, the ticket price for the show was $4 advance, $5 at the door. And there were, (laughs) if you can even imagine those times, the club only held like 700 people and most of the sales happened the night of. But yeah, the contract shows the very rudimentary math that I did to multiply four times the ticket number sold at that price and five times the other ticket number sold at that price to come to a gross of $3,687. That's not bad. That's, you know. Not bad. Not bad for your first night
0: in town. Yeah. So anyways, Alex has the original contract, which was basically sitting in a folder for 28 years.
1: Yeah, sitting in a box in my attic. I believe it's genuinely a piece of rock and roll history. It's super interesting. I think that in a really fun way, in a really honest way, it reflects... Radiohead's relatively humble beginnings?
0: Well, you know, in collectibles, like baseball cards, at a premium are rookie cards. And this is really a rookie contract. And it's the rookie contract because this is the first one. And at the time of that contract, no one knew what that band would become and how significant they would be in the development and history of the art form.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really actually love that analogy. That's pretty cool.
0: Radio at the time, again, is a band from England. They've got a hit, but a lot like a lot of other bands. And uh,
1: again, no one knew that they were going to have the Benz next. Well, gonna... the Benz almost didn't happen. That's another story for another what time. What the heck is so... yeah, Bring that up now? <laughs> Cliffhanger.
0: Oh my gosh. I got to hear this later. Um, <laughs> if you would like to find the details of this auction, please go to our website, tmepshow.com.
1: Slash NFT.
0: Slash NFT if you want to go right to it. And you'll find out how you can bid on this item.
1: Let's say one more thing, Alan, which is that our plan is to invite the winning bidder to join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. So we want to both interview the person, find out why they bought it. Are they a big Radiohead fan? Are they an NFT collector? How do they think about it? And secondly, we we'll invite that person to join us in a future interview with one of our upcoming guests, you know, join us on a Zoom-like call to see that interview happen. So that should be a lot of fun.
0: And you never know who that could be. That could be anyone from Rod Stewart to Lisa Loeb. We don't know.
1: Anybody from Elvis to Lemmy.
0: (laughs) A seance. (laughs) Oh oh dear. (laughs) Yes, what a great idea. We could have a, conversation with jimmy janice and uh, the guys from <laughs> badfinger someday um but you know we'll wait for the technology to catch up with us on that in the meantime if you have any questions about nfts uh, blockchain all these terms that we threw at you that we kind of know what they mean um i would just go on
1: google and uh, read up we hope people have fun with the nft auction on openc.io And we want to wish everyone who participates good luck. So that's our special episode for today. Next week, we will be
0: having a normal episode with our fantastic guest, John Langford from the Mecons. So in the meantime, on behalf of me, Alan Keller, and my co-host, Alex Hoffman, thanks for listening. See you next week on Too Much-Effing Perspective.